0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What is going on, guys? Josh Savo here. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to uh, speak a little bit about our membership program that we created a little over six months ago. At this point, uh, if you're not familiar, what we did is we built this platform that gives members discounts of up to 50% off 90 plus startups. Many of these startups are the brands that we interview on this podcast. Um, So the reason we created the platform is really to help uh, outdoor enthusiasts discover new innovative startups really related to their favorite outdoor activities, whether it's skiing, climbing, hiking, camping, whatever, really, um, and be able to get a discount on them. So basically in addition to that, you can also apply to become an ambassador for for these brands Um, all from one location. You can do it basically a click of a button, makes it super simple. Uh, We'll also showcase a lot of the new products that these brands are working on. Uh, You can get access to demo and trade show deals up to 60% off all their stuff at the end of the season. Um, And lastly, we have a private Facebook group for everyone who participates uh, to get to know us and each other on a more personal level and really help us um, build the future for really the outdoor space and Showcase new innovative brands. So if you want to check it out, head over to readyyeti.com slash members, and uh, you can get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with the founder of Huppy Bar, Lindsay Hupp. Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me.
1: You are welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: Now, right off the bat, with uh, Huppy Bar, for the listener that may not be familiar um with happy bar how would you best describe it to someone new
1: um well <laughs> sometimes i tell people it's the best thing they'll put in their mouth all day but um it's uh <laughs> it's um, it, it's truly the full package for energy bars it's uh, it's whole foods. it's based with nuts and seeds and um it's very dense so you get a lot out of the, the little the little bar and uh, it's melting your mouth, delicious. So um, it's it's like Mike. I like to say it's the best thing you'll put in your mouth all day.
0: <laughs> Love it. Now, ha- so how did you get started with this? What made you decide to start um, a bar company, an energy bar company?
1: Well, it took a lot of poking and prodding. It all started um, like any good boatman's story would start. Is there? I was on my boat on the river, and uh, and I had uh, at this ammo can next to me where we keep our some supplies on on our boats and I pulled out this bag of kind of gnarled chocolate nuts and and fruit and seeds and things and pulled out a big clump of it and it was in the morning time so it was cool out and all the chocolate had kind of had melted in the day and then cooled overnight so it was this kind of congealed clump of of food and I nod on it a little bit and I'm like wow this is amazing this is delicious and and uh like I should just put these in little bars and, and have them for my snacks because I was not getting what I wanted out of the snacks in my ammo can previously. So that started this, this, uh, kind of obsession with trying to put them into these little bars just for myself to have them on the river trips. And, uh, and I, that just kind of evolved over time. And, uh, and I would pull them out of my ammo can on trips and Passengers would look at it and say, what is that? And I'd give them a little bite and they'd love it. And my fellow river guides would love it. And uh, and then eventually certain passengers got on my boat and said things like, you know, I know someone that could put this in a bag and sell it for you. And, and I didn't really know what that meant and didn't really care what that meant at the time. And and, and then eventually a, a couple years went by and a couple seasons of just fiddling around with making fun little concoctions in my kitchen and um, a couple got on my boat one day and it was at the end of the day we'd run a bunch of big rapids and almost got to camp and I had busted out this this gnarl of bar that I had made and <laughs> and started gnawing on it and they asked me what it was and I shared it with them and and they said oh this is really delicious and, and uh, you know we know someone that might help you with, help you sell these if you're interested and and I was like, I don't, you know, I'm not really interested so much, but who's your friend? And and they said, uh, her name is Debbie Fields. Are you familiar with Mrs. Fields Cookies? And I said, well, yeah, of course I am. They're in every grocery store and gas station in America. And and, uh, and so they ended up giving me Mrs. Fields, Debbie Fields' email address. And we uh, ended up corresponding down the uh, n- next month um, after that river trip. And I sent some of these... Uh, initial bars wrapped up in saran wrap and these cute little packages off to Debbie Fields and uh, and she loved them and she encouraged me to give it a whirl and see where it goes and gave me some some advice and some direction and and uh, even though several people had said you know you should you should sell these and these are delicious and Um, It was really hearing it from someone like that that kind of drilled it home, like, maybe I should. Why wouldn't I? What else am I doing? I'm just a river guide right now. And so that kind of, that catapulted the idea into putting a name on it, putting it in a package and trying to see if anybody else wanted to buy them.
0: I love it. So I want to ask you a little bit more about your background. So obviously, um, for the listener that may not be aware aware that you were a river guide for, for 10 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. Which is obviously where you where the story starts. But before that, uh where where are you from and how did that lead you to uh to now living in Arizona and then obviously starting and building a Huppy Bar?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Columbus, Ohio in the suburbs. I was a sub- suburban girl and uh, I didn't really know what whitewater rafting or mountain biking or rock climbing was until I got into my later teenage years. <laughs> um but I was a I was an athlete through and through Back home, I was a swimmer, competitive swimmer, growing up. Uh, Played basketball, ran track and field. Um, The daughter of a national champion decathlete, so I had a a drive to be athletic and be um, active and healthy and and ambitious at the same time um, from that upbringing. And I, I took a road trip with my older sister when I was 17, and she was driving out to Tucson for school at the time and I just decided to hop in and go with her and we came through Flagstaff we saw the Grand Canyon for the first time I won't forget that day and I uh, saw the mountains saw the southwest the deserts canyons and just immediately fell in love and I, uh, I applied to school at NAU on a whim I'd met some people who had been in a school in the graphic design program at the time that's what I was interested in so I said, "All right, that sounds great. I like the smell of the place. They've got a mountain here. I could go snowboarding, which I had started to do at that point." And uh, and that was about it. And I ended up getting a, a scholarship to come out to school here, which was which totally sealed the deal. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to afford to come out out of state had it not been for that scholarship. So I just jumped on that opportunity and uh, packed my little GMC Jimmy truck <laughs> with. I look back on it now and there's about four little boxes in one bag. I think I had at the time and um, rolled out the driveway and headed out West. And, and as much as I love my family and go home to visit, I really never look back at Columbus or the Midwest is definitely out here was where I was going. And I sometimes say, I like I was writing delusions of grandeur out West <laughs> to, <laughs> to come out and just see, just see what I, what, would happen. You know, I was, um, Eighteen and ready to fire, so I headed out thinking I was going to school for graphic design and and, uh, and there it went
0: <laughs> love it okay, so now so then you you spend you go to college and then you spend some time uh, being a, a river guide, and then you uh, actually become a wildlife biologist, right <sighs>
1: Right. And that's, uh, there was a a pretty big gap of time there. I I ended up graduating college with a degree in in biology, Bachelor of Science. And then right after that, I started full-time guiding in Grand Canyon. I was lucky and I was fortunate enough to get that position right out of the gates. And after going to school for four years, going back to grad school, which was kind of one of the only options for a biologist at that point, was not sounding very good to me. But Going down river in Grand Canyon sure did. So I hopped into a full season right off the bat, and uh, and that just immediately consumed me. I was full in, and uh, it's funny because I'd done a couple trips before that as a helper, free work your way they call it. And uh, and the thought of like taking my own boat down the river was something I just thought was just <laughs> beyond realistic for me. But once I got hired and was a, brought in as a as a potential guide in training more or less, and I just immediately just hopped on board and said, I want to learn everything there is to know about this entire um, process and place and and uh, and the skill to take a boat downstream. And so I went in head first and uh, and then had had a, a full-time career there for for 10 years. And that's kind of when I started to taper off. And, and actually about eight or nine years into that was when I started doing the wildlife biology stuff, which is an intermittent type of work now.
0: That's interesting. Okay. So then obviously you get rolling with, uh, with happy bar. Um, What was it like really developing uh, the bars in itself? Right. So obviously you had that validation, had people enjoying the bar and then you had some uh, help and really, Understanding how to build the business, but what what really went into developing and making the bars into what they are now, and, and who would you say really is the perfect person um, that would benefit from from Huppy Bars?
1: Right. So as far as the development went, it uh, it was it was a lot of um, staying true to just my personal needs in the beginning, um, which were I wanted whole food, dense food things that were uh, that I obviously could pronounce and pull out of my cupboard in the kitchen. And, um, and then know that they, that, that packed quality nutrition for me and me being someone who I'm not a certified nutrition, I'm just some or nutritionist. I'm someone that, that is interested and cares and is conscious about health and eating and what I put in my body. And so, um, so that, those were the things that kind of really drew in the ingredients and, uh, like the spirulina, nutritionally used, are two kind of odd things of the, the nuts and the seeds and the fruit, which are in kind of a lot of bars. Um, but those were just bonus uh, sources of whole food nutrition with vitamins and minerals and protein content and things that you don't get in um, in everyday meals necessarily. So it's um, certainly not on my on the regular on my river trips and other adventures. So. Um, so I drew on those immediate needs that I had and, uh, and then it it was just this kind of like a little hobby really of asking my friends and fellow guides and asking them what they wanted. And, you know, the initial flavor was the chocolate berry love because I wanted chocolate and I like tart fruit. And then, uh, the next one was coconut date ginger and I didn't even like coconut, so, (laughs) my, my best friend loved it and she wanted me to make her flavor. So it was things like this organic process of us just kind of wanting to create these yummy little treats that we would take on trips and adventures and have ready to go. And it was really just a hobby and something fun to do. Um, Again, something that I tinkered with when I was a kid, making little cookie recipes and things. So it was, I, I, wasn't until like a few years into it that I started to really look closely at the ingredients initially I used brown rice syrup and in the ingredients and uh there was a little moment of time there where some um, there was a some thought that there was high arsenic levels and and brown rice syrup and so I uh, talked to some food scientists and nutritionists about that and they kind of steered me towards the tapioca which is what we use now um but other than that I I I just stayed true to having a whole food, nutrient dense, delicious, um, parameters (laughs) and, uh, and trying to source as many things that were organic and so forth. And, um, and it was really just me pounding away in the kitchen to kind of get there and get to this place that was, um, for you know to satisfy my my immediate needs. It was a very selfish endeavor to start. (laughs) 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 To be honest. (laughs) I think that's
0: how it always (laughs) starts.
1: I had no intention to take it to market. That was never part of my thought process. Again, it took a couple two, three years of me on the river for people to prod me into that idea. And then it took a while to kind of get it to the point where I was um You know, the hardest part about starting this thing, I think, for a lot of people is just convincing yourself that it's something that you want to dive into. And I was living the dream. I, you know, still am to some degree, I feel like. But I was river guiding all six months a year. And then I would go travel and goof off and ski and come back and do it again. And and then it's, um, excuse me, it's, it wasn't a broken system. (laughs) And so, to, to feel like you want to take on this new task was I think the hardest part of the whole thing is knowing that I was going to give up part of my lifestyle and I really have to focus and pull parts of me that I had never pulled on before to get this thing going. And um, I think a lot of people could probably who have st- tried to start something would agree with that
0: (laughs) you definitely make some sacrifices that's for sure yeah (laughs) so what was the uh the process in actually building happy bar and getting the awareness out there and um what did that growth look like was it pretty initial or did it really take time for uh for you to really get the word out there
1: um you know a little of both and i feel like with most things and in the business world it's like as much as you put in you're going to get out too like in the first couple years there I really didn't I wouldn't say I took it all that seriously I was kind of just tinkering around with the idea I had it on a few shelves and um, I would go to a few farmers markets I had the farmers market here in Flagstaff and I went down to Phoenix and I was always getting this really positive response Um, and that definitely fueled me to do more. And it's like, all right, if these guys like it, then those guys might like it. And those people might like it. And yeah, I still love it. So why not? And, and, uh, and, but it did take, it took a little while because I, um, I, I, you know, I didn't fully commit right out of the gates. I was kind of as we say in boating the, I was kind of lily dipping for a little while. I was just barely putting the oars in the water for a little while and and it took a couple years of that until I was fully taking big, strong strokes with it and and um and really trying to get it out there and and there was you know there's lots of different ways I did that, I guess still am. <laughs>
0: What were some of the bigger ways? What like so? Yeah,
1: yeah. What kind of what what started to move it more was um, going to events. You know, going to running events, um, biking events, things like that. Um, social media. I mean, we all know how huge that is with with anything anything <laughs> anymore. And business, it's just an incredible tool to tell people about what you have going on. Um, and just really just being vocal about it in my community. And I have a lot of friends that are out doing things all over the place and all kinds of disciplines of outdoor sports and such. And so I tapped into them to some degree and said, Hey guys, like you want to take some bars with you? And, and, uh, and so the ambassadorship that happened with that was, was awesome and still is, you know, people spreading the word that way in the community of the users and, uh, And I'm also, you know, I have some ties with the Grand Canyon boating community here. So, um, have gotten the bars onto lots of river trips and such. And so it was just like kind of tapping into these connections that I had in this world and people that I knew and respected and, um, and just kind of started to give them happy bars. (laughs) (laughs) and uh but it was it's a lot of work it's a lot of on the ground it's a lot of um you know like i said at the events traveling around going to these places they're not all happening in Flagstaff, so you got to get out there and and do it and uh and you know just last year i got the website up and going to where it was um beyond functional functional it was it's actually uh, pretty nice now i think and has a lot to offer um and it's uh and so that helped a lot too just having the online presence um, but it just it, little by little it just it, it built upon itself and s- still is I feel like I still have a million miles to go um, but I think the biggest part of it has been the word of mouth you know just getting the people getting the product in people's mouths and then um, and they tell their friends about it <laughs>
0: Now, along this journey, you you mentioned yeah. a little bit when you were going through your story, um, uh-huh. but were there really any pivotal mentors that you had that really helped you get Hoppy uh, Bar off the ground?
1: Um, you know, there. As far as someone that I would come back to over and over again, it was hands down my dad. He, uh, you know, yeah. he's he's been an entrepreneur throughout. Uh, a lot of his adult life and so he had uh you know uh, details on kind of the goings-on of business to offer but also just kind of someone to say to to bounce ideas off of and um and things of that nature and get get some advice from um so yeah he's the closest thing I've had to like a real mentor along the way otherwise it's been I've been pulling from people here and there and everywhere we've got some really fun little businesses that have cropped up here in Flagstaff that you know, we get inspiration from each other and we, um, we talk to each other about our trials and tribulations and misery and woe. And, uh, and (laughs) and so we kind of, you know, we definitely, um, help each other out in that respect. But I guess I'd say my dad is my, the biggest kind of rock for that advice.
0: Definitely. Now, um, in terms of sustainability, what, uh, what, what does your commitment look like to that with Happy Bar and how do you really keep that, uh, top mind, um, with all the bars that you, that you make?
1: Right. So yeah, anytime you're producing things, you have to think about what's, what all happening there. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, what, well, you know, one of the biggest things with the product itself is that we 're incorporating as many ingor- excuse me organic ingredients as we can at this point, and we 're over you know, sixty five percent some of them are like seventy five percent and um, And so with the product itself, putting organic ingredients into the product uh, we 're also trying to source locally as as much as possible in within a, a tight region. Um, I get the honey down the street from a beekeeper. And, um, the pecans are grown in in Arizona, the, um, coffee's roasted down the street. And, um, and then the Arizona trail wild mesquite, our newest flavor has also chilies that are grown just down the road and, uh, the mesquite bean pod, which is ground up into this flower that comes from a drought tolerant plant that's ubiquitous all over the Southwest. And, um, it's harvested, by a local tribe down by Tucson. And so it's trying to kind of incorporate a product, a food, food item that is present in here and ubiquitous and available and uh, drought tolerant. Um, So, you know, trying to keep things in our region as much as possible or utilize things that are already here with that as far as the ingredients. And then beyond that, and every little detail of it trying to use recycled materials and things that in our packaging that are recyclable and um you know whether it be the boxes that we're shipping things in or the display boxes that we're displaying the bars in things of that nature just trying to kind of keep it really tight and really um conscious as far as every little detail about what we're bringing in and what we're putting out
0: what does a normal day look like for you? Because obviously, like you, you do some work in, um, in uh, uh, biology, and you um, are a guide for part of the year. Or at least, maybe you're doing that a little bit less now. And then, obviously, you've got Hoppy Bar. So, what is what is like a normal day, if there is such a thing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> looks like for you, I try, I try to stay away from normal days as much as possible. Um, I definitely like to shake it up. Um, but I get, I get up early. I, uh, sometimes I do a little yoga in the morning. I'll do a little stretches and bring my coffee, listen to my NPR and, uh, and then do, I'm much more productive in the morning. I think a lot of people are. And so I come in and, and I have my office at home and, uh, it's nice. And so I can get a lot of work done on the computer if I have things to do, emails and all that type of kind of administrative type of thing. And um, if production's going on, I'll go down and um, keep an eye on, on that and get involved with that or um, check on orders. And, you know, it just depends on day to day, what's happening. And I've got a great team that does a lot of that for me, which is phenomenal. And, um, so it's kind of overseeing all of that and, uh, and reaching out to prospective uh, customers and and uh thinking on what to do next and <laughs> i usually uh fit in um a hike a bike something outside almost every single day and uh I, I for a while there when i was really grinding the gears on getting this thing going i kind of i had to shelf some of that outdoor time and i uh because i just wasn't finding it, i wasn't making the time for it and so i have me (laughs) that didn't last very long though i was um suffering from that it it definitely affects how your productivity and everything else and so i i put the kibesh on that and i make time every single day to do something and uh, so that factors in whether it be half an hour or four hours (laughs) depends on what it is (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah in in the winter it's dark in the evening so it's usually a yoga class and or climbing gym stash or um hanging out with some friends or um what have you so that's kind of a classic day in Flagstaff these days
0: <laughs> it sounds uh it sounds pretty <laughs> awesome
1: <laughs> I try to keep it awesome <laughs>
0: So what, what does the manufacturing process like for you? Are you doing most of it in-house? Are you outsourcing it? How what does that look like?
1: Yeah, we're uh we're in-house right now. I mean, I've dabbled in some outsourcing and um not sure about that. Um there's yeah, so we're just we're doing it all right now and in, in-house and um and it's it's going. It's good, it's great. You know, we've got our systems figured out and uh for now. Um as we grow, though, we will have to look for bigger systems to manage. But um, that—that's but that's all part of the process for any anybody making anything. So, um, so those are good problems to have, I guess. And and uh, and. But in the meantime, we're just right downtown. Flagstaff, you can come knock on our door and say hello. <laughs>
0: Anyone who's listening, you can take, uh, take Lindsay up on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you can find us. <laughs>
0: so, do you spend a lot of your time making the bars, or do you have sort of a uh, specific people that kind of help you with that? Or
1: yeah, we've got a team. You know, we've got hired um, folks, flagstaff people, and trying to you know keep it in. This scene as much as I can, um, and uh, you know, hire employees from Flag, and so that's that's what we've been doing. And we've got um, you know, a crew that kind of keeps it going and does a great job, and and uh, fills orders and all those things. And, and I definitely am, yeah, I'm not totally void of that that scenario yet, like, but I definitely um, have found that I've got a lot of other things to do. So, um, so I try to let, let them do their jobs and they do a great job. So, um, so yeah, it's awesome. And, and, um, it, yeah, but I, every once in a while I hop in there and roll up my sleeves and get her done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would you say is one of your greatest fears in regards to happy bar and, and how do you manage that?
1: Yeah. So, um, fear is definitely not a state that i like to live in much but um because it's you know it's sometimes fear is fun right but uh with regards to the business i mean i think that one of the biggest things is that you just don't want to you don't know, want to miss something you know like making decisions kind of more regularly now that are kind of bigger decisions. And, and I, I'm like, should I do that? Like, what if I don't, what if it's a really great opportunity? And, um, and so I guess the fear of just missing those, missing an opportunity that could have been great, you know, I don't know. And, and the way to mitigate that is to just remember that I'm going with my gut and I, that's all I've ever done. And Um, It's worked out pretty well so far. So (laughs) I'm just going to kind of keep doing that. And, and you go with your gut and that's what you go to sleep with at night, every night. And as long as you're doing that, you know, sometimes it's going to fail. Like, and that's something I learned early on with business in this life in general is that you will have failures. So as long as you can live with those failures and learn from them, then you won't have to be quite so fearful. And, um, so that's that. Those are some of the big lessons I've learned. Is that yes, it is scary, but all I can do is just do what I feel is right, and then hope for the best. <laughs>
0: I guess that's all you can
1: do. <laughs> yeah, that's all you can do. <laughs> yeah.
0: What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made in regards to happy bar, and what? How did you really uh, uh, overcome them?
1: Well, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it's <good. laughs> Where do I begin? Now it's, um, yeah, and it's funny. Cause I, uh, I knew starting this thing that I was going to make a hundred million mistakes, but that was going to be part of the fun for me. Um, you know, talking about a missed opportunity. I had someone offer me on a—it was on a river trip, and it was a passenger. When I was just starting to talk about these bars and have these little little samples, and people were starting to call them huppy bars. I didn't even name them that; other people did, and so it had a name. And one of my passengers was offered to invest and give me a bunch of capital and start this thing. And I was like, woo, 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 woo. like I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what I was going to do with that money. I did. He wanted 30% all this, these things. And I, <laughs> and I was, you know, I told him, I said, I appreciate that, but I'm going to decline because I want to plant this seed and I want to see it grow and not just to be selfish, but just because I love that experience and that, kind of just like the adventure that's the point is to have this adventure with it and and not to have this someone else come in and just do it all for me you know not that they would be but just to have I just really wanted to have this kind of raw open experience with it and just to see what would happen and um And so, and that's when I opened myself up to knowing that I was going to make a million mistakes. (laughs) And so, um, you know, and I guess just to name a a couple, it's like, you know, one of our first big printing um, package, packaging printings that somehow we didn't proofread correctly. And three of the flavors all had the same ingredients. (laughs) you know and it's like whoops like you know that's kind of just a little tactical mistake but um something that we learned from and um you know why maybe one of the kind of bigger picture mistakes may have been that I didn't take it so seriously that first couple of years maybe I should have taken a little more seriously and then would have been further along now but you know looking back on that stuff it's like what going am I gonna do? Regret? I don't regret it. It was this part of the process. So the mistakes, the failures, those things just are making it that much more colorful, and and uh, and and making me as a now business owner and I guess you call it, called it an entrepreneur, um, making me that much smarter going forward. Hopefully
0: what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space, the food or the food space, really just a business in general?
1: Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, there's a lot to, it's funny. Cause you know, looking back, I, I didn't, I never thought I would start a business. I never thought I would have a dude do, do, be doing this. Um, so you gotta go with your gut, and you gotta trust yourself. I guess um, to know that you're gonna follow through with what you set out to do, and um, know that there will be you're <laughs> not you're not gonna be riding unicorns over rainbows the whole time. You know you're gonna be head down and working hard, and not loving it for a minute every once in a while. And uh, but as they say, no pain, no gain, and um, and there's, you know, there's just there's no way to know until you go find out. And and uh, and if you, you know, if you don't, you might what you know? Are you going to regret it? Is it something that you're going to say five years from now? I wish I'd done that. Then do it now. <laughs> you know, don't wait. And uh, and ask yourself. One thing I kept asking myself in the beginning was why not like why wouldn't I do this like what have I got to lose you know it's like we live in a more or less in a society where we can try these things and uh, we've got incredible tools at our fingertips right now to make things happen so put yourself out there (laughs) give it a shot and make sure that you keep having fun and keeping it real high on your list of priorities
0: <laughs> so, where where do you see Happy Bar in the next year, five years, ten years? If you've thought about it,
1: um, I yeah, I mean, of course, I think about it. Um, in the next in the next year, I definitely want to um, keep things chucking along as they you know as they are and um, but growing in the growing sense and. I'm really looking forward to. There's a couple of exciting things on the horizon that are just about to kind of get locked in. So I'm not going to get too excited yet, but um, as they do, it'll be really fun. And and then um, and trying to grow in the more regional, tight knit setting. We have this Arizona Trail Wild Mesquite Bar that's um, that's just super fun and um, highlights the mesquite flower which it comes from Southern Arizona, as I mentioned. And we work with a tribe down there that harvests it every year. And, and then a portion of that proceeds go back goes back to the Arizona Trail Association to help maintain the trail, the Arizona trail. And so that's just a really fun project that we kind of just got going this last year. So it's next year, I'm excited to see that kind of take more shape and grow and um, and start focusing a little more on some storytelling with the ambassadors that we have out there and just kind of highlighting some um, local issues and regional issues that are going on, be it um, you know, public lands issues, things like that, and kind of trying to use the Puppy Bar platform to bring attention to some of those really important things as well. Um, and, and build on that and for years to come and certainly by 10 years, you know, our goal is world domination and hubby bars in the hands <laughs> of every every man, woman, and child on the planet. And, no, <laughs> kidding. But, um, yeah, and just to put our best foot forward and make a great product and um, encourage and inspire people to get outside and do good for themselves, for their world, and uh, inspire them to um, to – Live a you know live a better life, and uh, and I think getting outside uh, not only for your physical health but it is incredibly important for your mental health as well. And um, inspiring that, and then um, just keeping keeping the happy bar rolling.
0: Love it! Uh, what, what's the best part about running Huppy bar?
1: Free happy bars for life. <laughs> 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 um seriously i eat them every day so i i've had at least one today maybe two uh uh yeah beyond that telling everybody what they what to do <laughs> <laughs> no um and then really seriously though the uh the, one of the best things about it which started in the first like the reason i started it is because it brings together for me personally a lot of interest in my life like excuse me i love i love getting outside and going on adventures I mean, that's what the whole point of this thing was and and um so it perpetuates that idea beyond my boundaries into into the rest of the world and um and i get to just use my creative juices to try to perpetuate that and i like to design things and graphics and um, and be creative and I like people, I like interacting so it, the fact that I get to have uh, you know, this kind of project that I call it <laughs> to work with um, is really fun and it's super challenging and has its moments for sure but it definitely um, it just brings me a lot of joy to do it and get feedback from my customers you know I had a woman today send me an email on how far it is to get her puppy bars because she's going to go climb Kilimanjaro and and I'm just like heck yeah like that's that's what it's about you know I I had the privilege of doing that a handful of years ago and when I had some prototype puppy bars on the summit of Kilimanjaro and I told her that and I was like it just that you know like and and for things to kind of come full circle in that way and having people fired up to go do things and enrich their lives and take some puppy bars with them. It's just like makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's on my bucket list to climb Kilimanjaro at some point. But yeah, <laughs> I'll bring some yeah. puppy bars with me when I do. You
1: should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't giving me food. So I was definitely happy to have them.
0: Yeah. Bet. <laughs> um, well, Lindsay, I really appreciate you for, for taking the time to, chat with me and share your story. Um, but for the yeah. listener that wants to keep tabs on everything that you're doing going forward, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: So definitely follow us on Instagram at Huppy Bar. We have um, all kinds of things happening there all the time with our ambassadors out in the world. And um, and, <clears throat> and then also Facebook at Huppy Bar and then HuppyBar.com, And you can sign up uh, for our email there as well. We send out a little email updates on... Um, deals and things and and um, also what's happening with, with our ambassadors or maybe what event we're going to in the near future and things like that so um, those are the best best ways and if you ever want to drop a line info at com is the email and i'd love to hear any feedback thoughts comments on on Huffy Bar.
0: Perfect. And we'll, we'll get all that linked up in the show notes for anyone listening that wants to check it out. Um, We're also, I want to mention for anyone that wants to maybe try some Huffy Bars, you can head over to ReadyYeti.com between February 20th and March 20th uh, to enter to win uh, a bunch of huppy Bars along with a ton of other gear um, for all your outdoor adventures. So head over to ReadyYeti.com for your chance to win. And uh, with that, Lindsay, thanks again so much for taking the time. It really was a blast.
1: Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Josh. It's awesome.
0: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready 8 Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.